weather. And uh, I thought twice about leaving my jacket on, but it is really warm and uh, decided not to. Uh, we're going to come around the word for a little time this morning. We believe that the Bible, God's word, endures forever. Uh, that uh, whatever changes take place in culture, and they're huge, uh, as we... As we navigate this 21st century, God's word's got something to say right into our lives, uh, into our church and into our world in these days. And our passion is that we make that relevant to us and that God by his Holy Spirit would really minister to us and work uh, in an amazing way. So our series during this autumn is God First. Matthew 6.33, a favorite verse of mine that says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. This morning, I want just to camp there for a moment before we come to our subject matter. So you're sort of going to get two sermons in one, if that's all right. But Matthew 6.33 is a favorite verse of mine. And uh, I believe that it's foundational to everything that we do in life. When Sharon and me got married in July 1979, um, I say that quickly because it seems a long time ago, and it was, um, somebody gave us a plaque, and it had two, it was a sort of short plaque, and it had two sort of words em- embossed into the plaque. And we put it above our gas fire in our little flat in Skegness where we first began the journey of ministry. I wonder what you think those two words on that plaque were God first yeah and so that little phrase has been very real to us for many years not sure where it's gone but in a couple of moves over that lifespan the plaque disappeared God first he was first in our lives before we met he's been first in our lives since we've met we've tried to live with that phrase in our lives God first. And for me, Matthew 6.33 throws up a couple of little thoughts. Firstly, the thought of priority. But seek first, or as some translations say, seek you first, the kingdom of God. When the Bible speaks about kingdom, it's not speaking about realm. So, for example, the United Kingdom, Northern Ireland, Wales, England, and Scotland, just. Um, But... uh, We're glad that our friends north of the border have stayed part of the United Kingdom. It speaks about realm. It speaks about a defined territory. But when the Bible speaks about seeking first the kingdom, it's not speaking about realm. It's speaking about rule. It's speaking about Jesus not only being our savior to take away our sins, but being our king that has absolute authority over our lives. And we come in a love relationship to him to yield to the king to bow at his feet and to submit unto him. And you know, sometimes that can bring real challenges to our lives. It can bring us to a place where it can be costly and sacrificial. And we realize this not not to say it in in a negative way, but to realize that as we seek first the rule of God in our lives, although sometimes it may bring some real challenges to us, our lives are often enriched. Let me give you an example from 1989 to 2004, I worked sort of running the leading the church at Jacksdale and, and also working in financial services. I'm not quite sure how it all sort of came together, but it did. 
And the reality was that my journey there, we often celebrate in Arena Church when folks are doing well at work and promotions come and blessings come. Fantastic, and there's no pushback on that. But seeking first the kingdom for me was pushing back on promotion. And uh, we've got people around the room that know, that have understand the challenges of that, particularly in that particular industry. So for me, to be able to do both, it meant doing a good day's work, but I had to push back on something. So a guy called John, one of my managers, sat in a car one night. They often did a debrief at half eight at night when you just want to go home. You know, as he, and particularly if we haven't sold anything, Bob, you know, I mean, uh, it was, uh, but why are you going for a manager's job? Well, yeah, you know. And for me, seeking first the kingdom gave a pushback on that. I don't say that negatively, but sometimes God asks us to make costly calls in our lives that ensure that his rule comes first and what he wants to do overall in our life comes first. And then the promise, seeking first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to, unto you. And we've got the illustration here that Christian opened out for us two or three weeks ago. But just by the way, if you're wondering where Christian and Caroline are, they're on holiday and uh, will be for a couple of weeks. So we trust that they'll be blessed. But the priority of the realm of God, the, the rule of God over our lives, not the realm, the rule of God, and then the promise, and all these things will be added to us. And again, it must just be me, but every time I think about that, I get challenged. Because as we read in Matthew 6, things to eat, things to wear, things to drink, things about tomorrow. And the Bible says, don't worry about those things. Don't get overly anxious about them. Because all these things will be added to you. But I, 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 the Holy Spirit digs a bit deeper in my heart at times. I think, well, what does things mean? Because things to us might mean different to other parts of the world. You see, most people in the world don't live like us. 80% of the world's population lives on less than 10 US dollars a day. 885 million people in the world don't have any access to clean living water. The world's richest 85 people have the equivalent wealth to the poorest 3.5 billion people. 27,000 kids in my home city of Nottingham, just seven miles down the road, live in what is defined as poverty. And if you earn 21,900 pounds, and I understand that in our low-earning East Midlands economy, many people don't, you are in the top 4% of earners in the world. 96% of people in the world don't earn £22,000 a year. Things. And there are people around this room that have been in context missionally where things have literally meant food the next day, clean living water, and a roof over our heads. It's a challenge, isn't it? You've heard already that God's not pushing back on the things of our world because we live in a particular culture. But let's never forget what things really mean. And I think particularly to our type of culture, don't get overly anxious. God's for us. He's around us. He's over us. And God will come through for us. Listening to testimonies around arena, even recently, of God just meeting needs and undertaking in people's lives. So seek first the kingdom of God, his rule. And we can claim the promise also as we put into action the priority that all these things will be added to us. God first in giving, Christian spoke. Last week, Paul, God first in connecting. For a few moments this morning, 
I want to go to 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verses 12 to 14. If you've got a Bible or if you haven't, then the words will come up on the screen. Because God first in serving. It's a subject that we've alluded to in Arena Church in the past because as Andy uh, said as he led us in the mercy offering, right at the very heartbeat of this church is a servant heart. And uh, it's not something that we've tried to contrive. It's not even, if I can say respectfully, friends, out of seeking to be do-gooders. It's seeking to reflect the very heart of Jesus who said in Mark 10, When two of the disciples came alongside him and said, Lord, we'd like to be at your right and left side. He said, you don't even know what you're asking for. And he says, the greatest in the kingdom are those that serve. And he went on to say, the Lord Jesus said, I didn't come to the earth to be served, or I didn't come to the earth for people to serve me, but I came to the earth to serve. So Chris has put the words up for us. And this is the Apostle Paul, one of the great leaders of the New Testament church, saying these words. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. And for a few minutes, friends, I want to just impassion our hearts again to be a people that put God first in our lives and the challenge that gets downloaded to us that is in all sorts of different ways we'll serve. I was just saying downstairs at the team meeting this morning as we just prayed in preparation for today that that is different things to different people. The Bible gives us a description of a body all working different elements of the body. And when we had the chance to be in Prague for two or three days in the summer, we saw a one-man band playing in the streets. You know. And the reality is that most of the buskers in the streets of Prague were par excellence. He wasn't. And I said to Sharon as we walked past, that's sometimes a picture of a church. One person doing everything. It's never how it was meant to work. But when the body finds its different parts functioning and moving, it works brilliantly. So around the life of Arena Church, we've got different people serving in different ways. If I can say it, friends, respectfully this morning, my job is to serve you this morning in delivering the word of God. There are people this week that find expressions through community And through different things that take place, people that serve us in administration, people that serve us in reception, people that serve us in all sorts of different ways, people, of course, that serve the needy of the immediate area, and it's wonderful to see. So if you're there this morning, I want you to be freshly encouraged. But it may be that God's teasing you into the journey of serving. And I want to just lay a few things into our hearts again that will help us. Because as Andy again says, if you'll respond to that, then you capture the very heart of God. The cliche, save to serve, is used regularly because it carries so much truth. So go with me as I just think of four things briefly this morning from those verses that Chris put up on the screen. 1 Timothy 1, 12 to 14. Paul, nearing the end of his journey, he speaks to his son in the faith, Timothy. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord. It's good to be thankful, isn't it? 
It's good to live with a spirit of thanks. You look at the things that Paul went through in his life for the cause of Jesus. It was incredible. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He was left for dead. He was vilified. He was persecuted. He was put out of cities. But here he is towards the end of his life, knowing that he's got relatively short time to go, laying something into somebody that would carry the baton on and says, I'm thankful. He wasn't cynical. He'd not become hard-nosed. He wasn't defeated. He wasn't resentful. He was thankful. Thankful to the Lord. And out of thankfulness came a great servant journey that we can, I believe, also follow in example. So firstly, thankful that he was chosen. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me trustworthy. He was chosen of the Lord. Jesus took hold of him. Now, those of you that know the New Testament well will know that in Acts chapter 9, there's this amazing story because Paul originally was called Saul. And he came from Tarsus. And he didn't like Christians. He was religious. He was angry. He wanted to stop the spread of the Christian faith. In fact, he's pretty certain, friends, that in the early church, people certainly were imprisoned and most probably died because of this man's religious zealotry. He's going to Damascus. Now, of course, still the capital of that troubled nation of Syria. But he goes north. And just as he's about to approach Damascus, Jesus appears to him in a blinding light. And he falls to the ground. And the Lord cries out, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he met with Jesus. It may be that your conversion was like this. It's what commentators call a Damascene conversion. In other words, one minute you're going this way, and the next minute you're going that way, and everybody knows about it. It may be, of course, for you that it was more gradual. And maybe you've got to work through some stuff to get to the place of committing your life to Jesus. That's fine too, as long as we get there. But an incredible turnaround. And Paul never lost the joy of knowing that he'd been chosen for a task. Now, when we talk about being chosen in the Bible, sometimes people want to score theological points. And I really don't want to go there this morning. I want to remind us, every one of us, that we're special to God. That we are secure in him. Whatever the winds and gales that blow over our lives from this world, we're secure and anchored in the Lord. And I want to remind us that we're significant in him. One of the things that I find often happens in, in, in life, particularly with, when people come to a sense of adulthood, is that sometimes they don't feel that they carry any significance to contribute into this world. And I want to tell you again today, friends, that's not true. God thinks that you're, you are amazing. He really does. He thinks that you are special. He thinks it's so much, friends, that he gave himself for you in the power of the cross. And again, I know it sounds a little cliche, but it's true. If you had been the only person that needed to be rescued from wrong and darkness and to be led into light, Jesus would have come just for you. Notice, and we'll refer to it in a moment or two, Paul says, I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, a violent man. 
Maybe there's some guys around the room say, actually, that was me as well. But now, totally changed and serving the Lord's purpose. And he was thankful. Can I just remind us, friends, that this is absolutely imperative that we grasp. Because our serving of the Lord is not to gain God's forgiveness. Our serving of the Lord is because of his forgiveness. We're not trying to get to God by being good. We are doing good because we've got to God. Or more accurately, he has come to us. So people say to me, well, it's all right going on about all this serving. I thought we were sons. We absolutely are. We are sons of the Lord. And ladies, I use that in the generic sense. We belong to the family of God. Our identity is absolute acceptance. We're sons of the living God. And out of that sonship, out of that sense of being secure in who we are in the Lord, we come to a place of willingly and joyfully becoming servants. We give away our life to God for the purpose of serving his purposes because we know that we're his sons and daughters. That's why we're chosen. Secondly, friends, he was thankful because he was trusted. He says in those verses that I thank Christ Jesus my Lord that he has considered me trustworthy. As I've already said, Paul had a checkered past. There were people, friends, that had been separated. There had been families that had been split up. There had been fear that had been spread. But he came to the Lord and completely changed. And now listen to this. Not only had he put his trust in God, and to put our trust in God means to place our confidence in him, Not only had he put his trust in God, but listen, God had put his trust in Paul. Friends of Arena Church this morning, be reminded that not only have you put your trust in the Lord, but the Lord has put his trust in you. That's amazing. That God should come to fallen humanity, to people that still get it wrong on occasions, and say, I trust you. I trust you with that community project. I trust you with Acorns. I trust you with Universal. I trust you with Kids Church. I trust you with that worship ministry. God entrusting us. It's incredible, friends. And God wants people to increasingly emerge in our church who not only trust him, but he says, listen, I trust you. And when trust is high... Our trust in him, his trust in us. Progress, friends, can be amazingly swift. Who knows what God can do, friends, through us when that trust element goes through the roof. Now, just to say that the process of trust always has to be navigated in a particular way. And Luke 16.10 says that if we will be trusting little things, then we'll be trusted in much. How many times have we seen people want to be trusted in much by bypassing the little things? It doesn't work like that. But if you'll be trusted in the little things, there is no limits to what God will trust you with. 
And the leadership of Rowena Church, friends, is believing increasingly that God will so trust people in our church with amazing projects in these days, it will literally shake the community and beyond. Thankful that he was chosen, thankful that he was trusted, thankful that he was appointed. Because he says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Now, some of the older translations have that they thank the Lord for putting me into the ministry. Ah, problem. Because sometimes, friends, people have classed the ministry, capital T, capital M, as we're in the ministry and you're not. I'm in the ministry. Because I get salary to be in the ministry, and you're not. And what we've done over the years, friends, is we've professionalized the ministry. We've left serving to the ministry. We've created this huge divide that is never found in the New Testament between the clergy and the church. It's caused by the ministry. Well, in the later translations of the Bible, I think they get it more accurately. Because Paul says... I'm thankful that you've considered me, appointing me to your or to his service, small s. And the word there, friends, in the original language is diakoneo, where we get our word deacon from, and it simply means to serve, to attend, to wait upon, to minister. In other words, it's not creating a divide. It's an all-inclusive call to everybody in the church to know that they have been appointed to his service. Now, do we need ministers, in quotes, in the church, leaders, people that have the privilege to be released up to bring something specific to the church? Of course not. There's no pushback on that. But not at the extent, friends, of the rest of the church being marginalized in their serving call and journey. That's crazy. And we'll never get the job done. No, friends, you've been appointed to his service. Appointed appointed to his service. You've been led of the Lord, and God calls you to do exactly that. Now then, what does servanthood look like? Well, John 13, hours before Jesus was to be betrayed and crucified, he got the disciples together. He spent three and a half years with these guys. They drove him to distraction on occasions, But these were going to be literally the world shakers, and they were. They were. No rebel rousing speech. No up and at them, guys. Come on. We're going to win the world. No, friends. All he did was he got a towel and a bowl of water, and he knelt down at their feet and says, this is servanthood. And if you'll do what I'm doing, both literally and metaphorically in terms of serving the world, then you will be blessed. Peter says, oh, no, Lord, you're not going to serve me. In fact, if you want to wash my feet, you can wash me all over. Jesus says, hang on a minute, you've got it wrong again. And he served them. He said, well, what does that mean? Well, what it means, friends, is when we're down there serving on occasions, it will be unseen. You will serve and nobody It will be unknown. You know, on occasions, it will be unappreciated. You'll serve your socks off, and nobody will say thank you. On occasions, friends, it will be unrewarded, 
And on occasions, you will even be met with the unkind. You see, down here, washing people's feet, there's a danger that you're going to get splashed. And on occasions, you're going to get drenched. Anybody ever been there? I'm never doing that again. If those people are going to carry on like that, I am never serving again. The other week, friends, in terms of leading the arena, uh, the Assemblies of God central area, in a metaphorical sense, I got absolutely drenched on the basis of a phone call. It seemed like two steps forward and three steps back. And God says, go again. So why are you doing this? Well, I just want to serve. Okay, keep going. And history carries, friends, a rich thread of men and women who have given their best to the Lord and have been used amazingly of the Lord. Why? Because they were appointed for a specific task at a specific time to serve. And when they captured the heart of the Lord in serving, he used them in amazing ways. Here we are in 2014 on this gorgeous autumn morning. And God wants you to be enraptured again by the fact you're not just here by chance. You are here by appointments. You are here, friends, in the divine purpose of God to find your serving role in the church in these days because he needs you. He needs you. And he calls you to himself. And when we live in that, it's amazing. You know, I get people saying to me, oh, I couldn't do what you do. All the miles around the central area, coming up the motorway at night. It's not a problem. Because... It's not their grace to do what I'm doing. But friends, it's my grace, if I can say it with absolute humility in these days, to serve our local church here and to have that wider remit to serve our pastors and churches in our great area of the Midlands for the glory of God. And just to do it with a servant heart and know that for this time I have been appointed by heaven to do. So when I get drenched, I get up the following day and go, okay. Because until God says, it's not your appointment anymore, I'm going to carry on doing it. And what about the Apostle Paul? Well, in Acts chapter 27, we hear of them sailing to Rome. Paul had said, look, if you set out, you're going to hit a storm. Just saying. And what happened? They set out. And hit a storm. So they ended up eventually shipwrecked on the Isle of Malta. 276 people, you can read about it. The Bible likes numbers at times, doesn't it? Just throws one. 206. Because Paul says, okay, you didn't listen to me. We're now in a storm. But an angel came last night and says, we're all going to be saved. Isn't that amazing? 276. And then we get to the beginning of Acts chapter 28. The Bible says it was a cold, rainy day. And somebody was walking around, gathering up the brushwood for the fire. Guess who it was? It was Paul. And 275 people watched him. He didn't kick off saying, I've just saved you guys. Why didn't somebody else collect the woods? See, because he'd never forgot about the little things. And somebody that after all of that experience was still prepared to collect the wood. No wonder God used him in miracles. Appointed. 
And I say very carefully today to people here, don't throw away your appointment of serving before it's due time. Live in the grace of what God has appointed you to do. And finally, he was thankful that he was empowered. Verse 14, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Say, Phil, I can't do this. I can't do it. I mean, you're going on about seeking first the kingdom and these things. And now you're talking about servants. I can't do it. If I get trenched, I want to kill somebody. Well, we all do. I can't do it. No, you can't do it. You can't. Please don't try and do it in your own strength. Please don't try and do it just because you're good in an area. Please don't try and do it just because you're bringing a skill set. You need grace and love and faith to cover all of those things. And then I want to say, however big the challenge, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. See, I'm the type of person that's not, never has been hyper-confident. When God asks me to do something, I can always think of 20 people that can do it better. So I need to know this on a regular basis. I'm always gulping. I'm always saying, Jesus, help me. You know, all along the journey, all the time. Because I can't do it. And friends, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it by just being good. I want to do it because his grace, his love, and his faith are on my back to empower me to do what he's called me to do. Same for you. You can't do it, but with God you can And you can do it way beyond what you thought you could do. And you can do it to levels that you never thought that you could attain to. And you can do it to depths that you thought were impossible. Because when God comes into the equation, anything's possible. As I close, about a year ago, I had the joy of sharing a day of ministry with a man called Matt Bird. It was a leaders event in Cambridge. And... uh, Matt's a London businessman. Uh, he's suave, he's debonair. He's just like me, you know. And uh, he got, you know, a fancy jacket with a fancy thing out of his top pocket, you know. Just a lovely bloke. He's a local church elder in a black majority church, even though he's very white. And uh, God gave Matt an idea. And like most ideas, it was simple. But when it's a God idea, anything can go. And so out of that, Matt became the founder of what is called Cinnamon Network. And Cinnamon Network is an amazing organization. In fact, out of that day, we invited Matt to speak at one of our leaders' events earlier in the year. And Cinnamon Network is simply Matt's contacts and links and business entrepreneurial flair connecting with people to create micro-grants for local churches. And Cinnamon have now got 30 blueprint blueprint projects working throughout the country. For example, those 27,000 kids I mentioned in in, uh, Nottingham, they're not looking forward to the school holidays. Because that guaranteed meal at 12 o'clock on on school days is not going to be there for two weeks or one week, whatever it is. So Cinnamon Network, one of the things they created is a school feeding program when school holidays are on. And Matt's just a great guy, ordinary, grounded, earthy, 
but passionate for Jesus. And he talked about when Jesus came to him afresh and he realized that he was appointed for a purpose. And he said these words. He says, now through Cinnamon Network, we help 3,150 local churches. That has meant 49,000 volunteers, or if I can use the word this morning, servants, that have blessed 690,000 people in the United Kingdom, over half a million people. Reading an article by Archbishop Justin Welby just this last week, there are now over 2,000 food banks in the UK, and 99% of them are run by local churches. David Farsworth furnished me with new updated figures this week from our own food bank project. In just a few years, and by the way, it wasn't a, it wasn't a pallet like that. You went near the pallet at your risk because there were splinters coming out of it and everything. But just a few years ago, we just had a passion to love and serve our community, and it started like that, and there weren't as many bags as that. But now, friends, we've helped families and individuals, 1,400 people, and we've given out over 8,500 food parcels, only God's, from a 0% zero base of finance. People that have served, that's leaving aside the regular meals that are cooked and the countless conversations that take place and the cheery words of encouragement that are dispersed for our amazing team that pitch up every week to serve the Lord. So serving finds its expression in all sorts of ways. And it may be that you're still on a journey of finding your expression. Well, how about putting God first? Seeking first the kingdom, the rule of Jesus. How about believing that all these things, the promise, will be added unto you? And then responding to the serving challenge. Christine's here this morning that takes an oversight of that. She'll be able to empower you and help you on that journey of finding a serving role in the church. Talk to her. And she'll give you some relevant information. But brothers and sisters, friends of Arena Church, let's continue to stay thankful. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. Thankful that we've been chosen Thankful that we've been trusted. Thankful that we've been appointed. Thankful that we've been empowered. Let's keep going. Let's keep serving the Lord. It reflects his very heart. And you don't go as Jesus. You go to Jesus when you reach a needy world. Let's pray.